The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of This League, we discuss the shocking news, as Marty would say, one of the worst hot seats ever. We talk about how the Clippers are basically like a fine piece of China. (laughs) We detail this year's most surprising team, which is the New York Knicks. I just like calling the Clippers fine China. And we get back to answering some more listener DMs. Myers Leonard Saga. As everyone knows, he got suspended uh, during a Call of Duty live stream for saying an anti-Semitic slur, leading him to get fined and suspended by the league. He just was never going to go back to the heat. After that, no way. Miami traded him and a second-round pick to OKC for Trevor Ariza, and that brings immediate help to the Heat. But uh, it also got rid of a nightmare PR situation for the team, and Miami does not like PR issues. Does not solve an issue for Myers Leonard because OKC made it very clear as soon as he got traded, we are not bringing him to the team. He will never suit up in an OKC jersey. He's not even coming to the city. Like, it's just, we just needed to match salaries. And sorry, Myers Leonard, you're out of a job now. They said Leonard will not be an active part of the Thunder moving forward and will not report to OKC. How toxic are you that in a trade that amounts to an Ariza salary dump, OKC immediately issued a press release that said that the guy that you just traded for will never, ever, ever suit up for your team? Hey, folks, fan base, I know that you want to know why we trade for Myers Leonard. It was just a formality. And the craziest part was that Leonard had to waive his no-trade clause in his contract just to be traded to a team that declared, no, we don't want him, not now, not never, no way. No way. What does that mean? That means that the Heat had to strong-arm Myers Leonard into doing that. Because if I was Myers Leonard, I'd be like, no, I'm not not waiving my no-trade clause. Who does that? And they were like, we don't want you. Either we do this the easy way or we do this the hard way, kid. In the draft pick that the Heat sent to OKC, this is great. A 2027 second rounder, which means that they just took Myers Leonard's contract in exchange for a mediocre eighth grader. (laughs) That's crazy. The only funny thing about this whole trade is that the OKC Thunder now have 19 first-round picks or swaps and 16 second-round picks in the next seven years. Rumors are flying around dirty, nasty, unadulterated rumors. A team that's fifth in the West, way outperforming their circumstances. They probably should be 11th in the West based on what's going on. And now they're getting players back healthy. And on the eve of CJ's return, we had a bombshell story dropping that, yes, Terry Stotts is rumored to be on the hot seat. Say what? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't uh, really agree with it too much. I understand there's uh, definitely some issues with his defensive coaching and stuff like that. I just think there's so few coaches 
in the league that can win despite their circumstances. And he's proven uh, to be one. And I do think were he to uh, were he to be let go, he would be swooped up uh, insanely fast. Yeah, I think that that's right. That I think the Western Conference Finals appearance speaks volumes about Terry Stotts' ability to use scrubs and turn them into something. Uh, yeah. But the reason is simple. The Blazers currently are scoring 115 points per game, and they're giving up more consistently. They rank 29th in the league in team defense. I would say that's not good. How bad is that? <laughs> the Blazers' 116.3 rating is the third worst in the history of the NBA. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny, but it's terrible. Only trailing the 2018-2019 Cavs at 117.6 and this year's Sacramento Kings at 118.8. And if you think that this is an anomaly, this is just a one-off one in a pandemic year. They were 27th in the league last year. In Stotts' career, he's ranked in the bottom half in seven out of the nine years and the bottom quarter four times out of the nine years. But what's really interesting is this article Jason Quick talks about uh, that the Blazers spend 85% of their film study and practice on just defense. Besides Tom Thibodeau, I've never heard of such a thing. Never. All of this to say, Quick points out that there are rumblings, that ownership is unhappy, and there is a tense backdrop <laughs> to his future in Portland. He's got one year left on his deal, and it should be noted that the Blazers did not pick up and extend Terry Stotts in this last offseason. So, yes, things are a little tense. Despite his team outperforming in the bubble this year, if he doesn't fix the defense, there's a rumor that there is a, quote-unquote, really good chance that he gets the boot. I like Terry Stotts. I do. So does everybody else. Dame, CJ, Nurk, Cantor, all rave reviews. But the question is, does Terry Stotts know anything about defense? Does he know how to teach defense? Does he know how to implement defense? If you spend 85% of your time on anything and you're still second worst in the league at that thing, maybe you're not any good at that thing. <laughs> That's something to evaluate. Let's talk about Stotts' defensive ratings over time. He was 25th in the league in 2012, 16th in the league in 2013. He's only had two good years in 2014 and 2017. 22nd in the league, 16th in the league, 27th in the league, 29th in the league. Yikes. So the Blazers' defense is just trash, as we know. But the good news is, what? The Blazers can fucking score a lot of points. A ton. We are not just good at offense. This is great, and it's about to get even better. With CJ coming back, Harry Giles is coming back, and he can also play some defense. And within a couple weeks, Yusuf Nurkic is coming back. If that man can play tough, we will be a tough out. This team is exciting, Marty. Carmelo Anthony. Can we talk about Carmelo Anthony for a second? Jesus Christ. Can we talk about him? Yeah, I want to talk about him. On that uh, that game that I bet uh, I bet on the Hornets, and that was just a terrible, terrible bet. In that game, he had 29 points, five steals, two blocks in 30 minutes of action. Here's where I remind you that he was left for dead, picked up for table scraps. No one wanted him. And now he's averaging 14-3-2 and and can give you 20 on any night. 11 times he scored 20 or more points this year. Do you think, Marty, Carmelo Anthony could be our league's sixth man of the year? I think he'll be in the conversation. I think Clarkson is playing too well and that team is playing too well. I think he's probably the one that's going to get it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Melo is doing what a lot of people thought he would never be able or willing to do. He adjusted to a role, and he's adjusted to it 
awesomely. And, you know, maybe he needed, uh, you know, the entire league to call him selfish and criticize him like that so that he realized that he needed to, you know, kind of change the way he plays. And I, I think he had, he doesn't look like Nick's Carmelo at all right now. You know, Carmelo reminds me a little bit of Tiger Woods. Elite at one point in time, massive egos, thought that they were a certain kind of player. Father time got to them. Injuries obviously got to Tiger. And then all of a sudden, the game gets snatched away from them. And then when they're allowed to come back, they come back a different, happier, more grateful player, just outperforming what anybody would possibly think that they could end up doing. And he's 37. And we got him, Portland got him for $2.6 million a year. Do you know Luke Kennard, L.A. Clippers wing guard combo-esque, is making almost 10 times that amount? Luke Kennard, who's averaging 6.7 points per game? What a steal. Melo has played for four different teams in four years. It's crazy. Knicks, OKC, Houston, Portland, and the world, like you said, Marty, said he would not be able to accept a smaller role. NBA GM said, Carmelo, you can't have him on your bench because he's going to want to play more than you can play him for your team's success, and it's just not a good look. And now what we're seeing is Melo committed to this role that is one of the biggest, I would say, the biggest keys to the Blazers winning games, especially when Dame goes cold. Yeah. When Dame has an off night... Mello just picks up the slack. He is still a bucket at any given time, oh, yeah. a bucket. Five steals in a game? When did we ever see Carmelo play defense like that? That was his knock, right? He does not play defense. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I didn't watch that game. I don't know how he uh, how he came into those five steals, but uh, that's definitely a, a stat sheet uh, head scratcher for sure. Who would have ever thought that the Blazers would have a plethora of capable wings? Not me. Not me. When we had Evan Turner, I was like, can we just get one wing? I was happy to have Trevor Ariza last year. I was like, yeah. I mean, he can do something. He can defend. Now we've got Covey, Mello, Hood, Derek Jones Jr. And now there's a rumor that the Blazers might go and get Aaron Gordon. What do you think about that? Uh, I guess that uh, that improves the defensive problem quite a bit. I would like it. I kind of like that fit. I kind of like that fit with good guard play. Like, that would open him up a little bit more. And he's he's shooting better this year, I believe. Uh, yeah, if y'all could pull him, yeah, that'd be great. I think that makes us immediately in the mix, right? I yeah. don't know if that's going to happen because the Timberwolves are trying to get everyone. They've got a plethora of assets and picks to trade. But all of that to say the Blazers are going to score. We've got problems on the defensive end. And unless they play some sort of – defensive scheme the only path forward for them is just to be the western conference brooklyn nuts just shoot from everywhere never miss go 58 percent from three and 69 percent from the field score 140 and hoping your opponent doesn't score 141 which is exactly what happened tuesday did you see that game where the blazers beat your uh, your boys pelicans down oh, yeah. 17 five minutes and 50 seconds left in the game and the best clutch player in the NBA just took over. Did not miss from two. Did not miss at all from two. Did not miss a free throw. It's insane. Three for five from three. Three for three from two. Five for five from the free throw line. Yeah. Two assists. Three rebounds in the fourth quarter alone. Ugh. That was also the fourth quarter Pelicans uh, attacking. They're, uh, they're known to blow leads like that. Yeah. Pelicans game, though, does underscore what I would consider the biggest problem going forward. The Blazers, in the last five games, have given up 121 points per game. During that same stretch, Nets have given up 109. 
So Nets defense shoring up, Blazers defense becoming a sieve. <laughs> so I'm worried. I'm not just worried for the Blazers, Marty. I'm worried that if this doesn't get <laughs> fixed, it might be time for a change. Sorry, Terry. Might have to go. Expensive, beautiful, and highly fragile. <laughs> I'm talking about the Clippers. Yes, I am. A lot of news coming out that the Clippers, having lost four of seven, they got lit up by a bad loss to the Pelicans, and Kawhi Leonard was very concerned. The news is that he went on a rampage on his team, which is just kind of impossible to imagine. Yeah. Uh, Kawhi Lent, as I like to call him, the guy that has the least energy in the NBA, the guy that they literally make commercials about being a cyborg, is telling yeah. teammates, listen, guys, it's time. The time is now. I don't know what he said. I don't know what a motivational speech looks like from Kawhi Leonard, but I imagine it's like very monotone. It's like being lectured by a tax accountant because you're just spending yeah. a little too free. I just don't think. I mean, his merch is in Times New Roman, so <laughs> that tells you everything. Exactly. So what did he say, Marty? What, what was Kawhi's quote? Yeah, okay. The quote was, I'm very concerned. If you want to have a chance at anything, you've got to be consistent. Nights where energy is not there. It's all about consistency. That is what makes a team great. That monotone, even if it was monotone and oppressor, I mean, that's facts. Mm-hmm. When you don't feel like competing, you still need to do what? Compete! Fucking compete every <laughs> single night. That's what your job is. And that's what Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard does so well. I think that's the difference between mediocre players and really, really great players. Players that do not want to play still show up and compete. Unlike Paul George that just gets cooked. Cooked by Luka. Cooked. He fell on his ass two nights ago three times. Fell to the ground. Anyway, just a pandemic P became a trending topic again last night, so I just felt like I would bring that up. Clippers very <laughs> Clippers very inconsistent, and I would say I am concerned, but the world says, Trista, everything's going to be okay. This team has an amazing roster. They can D up when they want to. They've got Paul George and Ibaka and Kawhi Leonard, and when they're great, they're really, really great. When Kawhi and PG are clicking, this is crazy. They have a net rating of plus 16.5, which is the best in the league among duos who have played 500 or more minutes together. That's crazy. When they're clicking, they're clicking. So, yeah, you think, oh, they're going to figure it out. But that's what we said last year. (laughs) We just assumed that just because you have these pieces that everything's just going to work out on its own. That's not how it works. Just facts. That's just not how it happened. Remember, what ended up happening was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. They're going to be the Western Conference. Who, know, who knows? Whoever comes out of the West is going to win it all, blah, 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 blah. And then you had Pandemic P hitting off the sideboard, blowing a 3-1 lead, not scoring at all in the fourth quarter. That's what happened. So you just can't say that things are going to be fine. I don't know. I think I'm just a little bit cynical, Marty, because the world and the media tells me I'm, I'm going to be fine when everything that I see and read tells me things are not going to be fine. I'm sorry, I'd rather be a pessimist and be wrong than be an optimist and be disappointed because there are real problems. Lou Williams, one of the great six men in the league, is 34, and his production just fell off a cliff. He went from 18-3-6 to 12-2-4. Yikes. And then they decided they were going to pay this guy, Luke Kennard. Casual fans do not know him. Do not know him. He was on the Detroit Pistons, had half of a good year, and then the Clippers said, yeah, we'll pay you $20 million a year. How about that? Come to L.A. 
Which was so weird because they traded for him and he had one more year left on his deal and they decided to just extend him. Like, why would they do that? Why? That's I mean, I guess be... they figured he was going to outperform it and be worth more, but that was wrong. That was very wrong. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're on the Detroit Pistons. Your production should be fucking high. <laughs> yeah. You go to a contender, your production is going to fall off of a cliff. Why would you pay that man 20 plus million dollars a year? That's got to be one of the dumbest decisions that Jerry West has ever made in his fucking life. He's a very, very smart guy. That was very, very dumb. No, uncharacteristic by Jerry. Nobody thought it was a good idea when it happened either. No. <laughs> and now Patrick Beverly is banged up. Reggie Jackson is Reggie Jackson, also another former Piston. And, you know, no wonder that the Clippers are in the market for a new point guard. The problem is the guy that they want, Kyle Lowry, makes 30 mil a year, and the other guy is Terry Rozier, who's locked in for next year and is, like, making very, very little money. So... What are the Clippers going to get? Or what, what are they going to be able to get? And what are they going to be able to give? I don't think they have any assets or any picks since they mortgaged their entire future for Paul George. Yeah, they certainly don't have any draft picks, too. No. How can you possibly make a trade enticing for the Charlotte Hornets to give you Terry Rozier? I mean, what, are you, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to give Terrence Mann, Jay Scrub, and a 2028-2029 first-round pick? Like, you're just right. never going to have draft picks until, like, Two administrations from now? Get the fuck out of here. They, they also are targeting George Hill, but George Hill's production is exactly the same as Lou Williams, so I don't know why you would do that. No easy answers when you've already emptied the cupboard. So it appears that the roster is going to go into the playoffs exactly the same way as it is right now, and the West is a gunfight. Everybody's better. Portland, Utah, Phoenix, New Orleans, all of those teams are much better, would you say? Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Portland. Utah, Phoenix, New Orleans, all could beat the Clippers in a seven-game series, I would say. It's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's possible. New Orleans is the one team out of those that I wouldn't bet on at all. But Yeah. yeah. The one thing, but they did blow out the Clippers. That's a matchup problem. They did. Matchup problem. Yeah. The one thing that's different, though, from last year is that they have Ibaka instead of Montrez Harrell. And Ibaka is the only guy that makes Kawhi Leonard laugh. He's the only guy that <laughs> now, apparently, there's a new... ESPN story out that Serge Ibaka's presence on the Clippers, now Kawhi Leonard is smiling and laughing in front of everyone. (laughs) And a team that was embroiled in controversy over chemistry issues, when you've got Kawhi Leonard being the vocal leader, standing on top of a bench and being like, the time is now, or whatever he said. And you've got him laughing and smiling and joking and joking about trading Ibaka and putting him on the trade block when he ends up elbowing him in the face. And like, we're seeing a new version of the claw, maybe like Comic Sans version instead of Times New Roman, <laughs> yeah. right? All right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Chemistry's big. And you've got Ty Lu, another chemistry guy. I would be, if I was a Clipper fan, that's the only reason I would be encouraged. The o- and, of course, because you got Kawhi Leonard. So the world is going to say, Trista, why are you so negative? The Clippers are going to be fine. What if they're not? It's not like a conclusion that Kawhi Leonard is going to re-sign there. It's just not. I hear rumblings from Kendrick Perkins that if Kawhi doesn't win a title this year, he isn't re-signing. The Knicks are hard rock. They really are. I am so proud of what Tom Thibodeau has done with this team. It's crazy. It's crazy. Is it, is it, it sounds impossible to say, but are the New York Knicks not just a playoff team, but a dangerous out? Are they dangerous? They seem a little dangerous to me here and there. With Derrick Rose, 
I just I think they're in that category now where it's they're the team that nobody wants to play, which when you look at what the Knicks have been, that's an insane upgrade. So yeah. Insane. You saw the Knicks without Derrick Rose take the Nets and then the Sixers to the brink. Yes, I know, folks, that the Nets were missing pieces and also the Sixers were missing Embiid. That's fine. But still, this is a team that should have been, in prior years, probably blown out by 25. So, along with the Charlotte Hornets, this is a team that would, if I was them, scare the shit out of me. They have exciting young players, they've got veteran leadership, and Tibbs at the helm, you know that they're just, this team defensively is hard as nails. Did you see, Marty, Julius Randle try to fight the entire Brooklyn Nets team at all at the same time and a referee? Yeah, I did see clips of that. Woo. Yeah, I love Randle. Me too. So I think this all goes back to Tibbs and the trade for Derrick Rose. Who would have thought that reuniting the Timberwolves <laughs> in Madison Square Garden would pay dividends? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it seems like uh, D. Rose only gets up to play for Thibodeau. You know, that's where he's had his only good years in the league is being coached by him. He, even in even in Minnesota, he actually played pretty well. And uh, since his addition, they've been consistently, I think, a more cohesive unit for sure. Yeah, and I think the young guys are getting something out of him, right? Yeah. Quickly and R.J. Barrett both have credited their production increases to the D. Rose arrival. I didn't see this coming, and I don't think anyone saw this coming except for Nate Robinson. He told me, if anyone could fix the Knicks culture, it's Tibbs. And I laughed. Yes, I did. (laughs) I thought it was hilarious. I actually rolled my eyes. Like I said, I am a cynic. I don't believe that anything is going to change until you show me it's going to change. Because everybody wants to make moves, and they tell you that that's the panacea for whatever. The team, the organization, the business moving forward, and you know what? I just don't believe people when they tell me lies. I've been lied to enough. And, of course, you've got James Dolan. So as long as you have James Dolan, I do not trust anything. But this team is gritty as fuck. They are wearing teams down. Tibbs' MO, which is very true, whenever you watch a Knicks game, it's like this beautifully ugly, like, we're just afraid of running suicides tomorrow, so we're going to de everyone up even if we're so gassed that we brick every shot on the other side. Like, that's, that's Tom Thibodeau's team right there. And this roster does all of that. Julius Randle having a breakout season. But Emmanuel quickly is probably one of the big reasons besides Derrick Rose that things have turned around. He's, when he's starting, he's averaging 13-2-2 two two as a rookie. And his production is just increasing every single week. Averaging 18-3-2 in the last eight games. Wow. But they're also making moves. Did you see that they're looking to get either Victor Oladipo, Lonzo Ball, or J.J. Redick? I really like the idea of uh, Oladipo. Uh, I don't think Lonzo's going anywhere. But yeah, I mean, J.J.'d be good. Yeah, I mean, they definitely need shooters like that. I think uh, if they could somehow pull any of those guys, that'd be sick. Ooh, I tell you what. This is a fascinating, fascinating team, even if they stay pat. And, of course, they're not trading Randall. Uh, they're going to be a hard out for anyone. Barrett's playing some of the best ball of his career. D. Rose rejuvenated, as I said. And if the Knicks can find a way to just keep James Dolan and his idiot MSG staff from fucking up the vibe, the Knicks, the Knicks-Nets is the ultimate for the first round. Knicks-Nets, MSG, and Barclays? Holy fuck, would we be in for a ride. What do you think of the P.J. Tucker trade? Oh, man. I'll tell you what. There is nothing I like more 
than the world telling me I'm wrong and me being right. Everyone in the NBA, 70% of the NBA, was calling about P.J. Tucker. So if he was washed, why would 20 out of the 30 teams want him on the team? I don't know. So I am excited for P.J. He has a new fresh start. The big move is that P.J. Tucker is now to the Bucks. I told you he was in big demand. The Bucks gave up DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson, a bunch of DJs, and their 2023 number ones for PJ and Rodion Kuruks and a 2022 first round pick. I mean, I knew he was out of his, he was on his way out when he just stopped playing. He told Steven Silas, "Yeah, I know you thought I was going to suit up, but I'm not going to suit up." <laughs> so, yeah, that is a that's a thing. I think PJ Tucker is a player that provides you, like I said before, toughness, corner three-point shooting. He is valuable. He's 3 and D, undersized hard rock, which is also very, very valuable. Not a lot of hard rocks in the league. Yes, he's only shooting 31.4% from three, which is his worst since 2012. But it might just be because he's playing on the Rockets that's pro- that are probably going to lose 25 games in a row. So Celtics fans went insane when I suggested that P.J. Tucker should come to the Celtics and then they should move Marcus Smart out and get somebody like Harrison Barnes and maybe a pick-in. And everybody was like, oh, you don't know anything about basketball. And you know what? The Bucks and the Celtics are in the same boat. And now the Bucks did what the Celtics didn't have the fortitude to do, get another dangerous piece to get you over the hump, get you another hard rock piece. And one of those teams just got a lot tougher, a lot more dangerous, and the other is Boston. So let me tell you this. If the Celtics don't go as far as the Bucks in the playoffs, do not come at me, blame Danny Ainge, blame Brad Stevens, and put some respect on P.J. Tucker's name. All right, up next. Next up we have, what do you think about the rumors of Lonzo Ball going to the New York Knicks? Ooh, we talked about this a little earlier, right? Uh, I don't think it's possible. Lamelo is the bell of the ball in the NBA. It's easy to overlook Lonzo. After all, I mean, most of the time that you hear about him is always in trade discussions. The latest is that the New York Knicks are hot on the Lonzo Ball trail. If not before the deadline, then during free agency. But here's the thing. The Pelicans don't want to trade Lonzo right now. Their offense is number one in the NBA in the past month. And Lonzo now in this new system is finally playing to the level that people thought he could. Under Van Gundy, the Pelicans' role and the Pelicans' style is to limit, we talked about this a couple of shows ago, limit turnovers, uh, offensive rebound, push the pace, and then move the ball quickly. And then you give Point Zion getting Lonzo off the ball, and he is shooting tremendously, 39% from three. He has more made threes than Trey Young, Luka, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and LeBron James, and a higher three-point percentage than those players. That is insane. So Lonzo's a a restricted free agent. The Pels wouldn't sign him on a contract extension. Maybe his upped play means that he'll get an extension now, but Leon Rose is very, very high on him. I like that move. I don't know what that means for Derrick Rose, but I like that move. Uh, Bobby Marks of ESPN wrote that the New Orleans would not match any offer that goes above $18 million, and that's likely what the Knicks will offer him. But for this year, I don't see it happening. All right, that's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Makes a huge difference for us. Please also follow us on at This League and at Trista underscore Crick at TikTok. 
Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Please subscribe to our YouTube. That makes a huge difference too. Thank you for listening. We will be back Monday afternoon where Marty is still remote from Colorado, hopefully with better Wi-Fi.